Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone from the band Seether and the Nixons, it is drummer John Humphrey, who is a massive Kiss fan. So, kudos to John. Um... The band released, or the Nixons, I should say, released a, a new single called Favorite Lines. If you haven't checked that out, do head over to YouTube and all streaming services to have a have a listen. And the band went on went out on tour with Sponge. Now, uh, I recorded the interview in early November, and I'm a little bit tardy in playing it. So I do apologize to uh, John and the Nixons for that, but still, folks... Stick around. It's great interview, great content. John is one of the nicest people uh, in rock, so uh, do check that out. And uh, before we get over to John, I just want to point out that we are heading into the Christmas holiday season, and I have decided to, as much as possible, uh, between family and running around and Christmas and all that, I'm going to try to give you a um, an episode every day. I know a lot of you uh, take uh, winter vacation or Christmas break or have some time off or there's a few days here and there. So I'm going to give you as much content as possible for the next couple of weeks heading into the new year. All kinds of uh, great interviews for you, including George Lynch, Dean Castronovo, of course, Revolution Saints and uh, Journey and stuff have a, have a new album. Doro, Frank Marino, David Glenn Isley, which was uh, co-hosted by Bob Kulick. It is the return of Bob. Uh, Desmond Child, uh, Charm City Devils, and just a bunch more. So stick around, folk. The uh, Christmas season will be merry and jolly here on Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. And uh, by the way, if you can, when you uh, listen to the episode or see the episode post and you've enjoyed it, uh, if you could either head over to one of the uh, sites, Apple Podcasts or whatever, and leave it a nice five-star rating, that helps in the visibility of the show, but also if you uh, could take to your social medias and uh, tweet out or repost or share the episode, uh, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I'm, I'm determined in 2020 to raise the visibility of the show to another level, uh, the next level. I feel like I'm playing Donkey Kong or something. And, uh, Anyway, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, with the help and assistance of fans, we can make that happen. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to be the dirty little secret. I want to be I want to be a, a household name. Well, all right, household ish, all right, I'll, I'll, bedroom name. All right, I just want people to to listen. Actually, I just want people to listen because I think I think the interviews are great, and I think uh, the rock stars that come on here, whether it's Lou Graham or Frank or Dean or Doro or uh, Mark uh, Starras of uh, Crocus. They have compelling stories, and I just want uh, folks to listen. And on that, let us take a listen to drummer extraordinaire from Seether, Eric Carr fan, Peter Chris fan, John Humphrey. We are speaking with uh, Seether drummer John Humphrey. Of course, he's also in the Nixons. They have a new single out called Favorite Lies. Uh, as we say in Montreal, John, bonjour. Comment allez-vous? How are you? <laughs> bonjour. Good. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, so we, we've we gotten the Nixon's news. Now, of course, the last time I saw you, it was in uh, Laval, Quebec, at the Place Belle, opening for Stone Temple Pilots, an incredible show, an incredible tour. Um, 
And for folks that didn't see it, an incredible backstage pass with uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie on it, which is brilliant. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, I'll, if I have your permission, I'll post a picture of it later. Um, but let's let's talk the Nixons. Uh, you're back. You're going out on tour. Um, talk to me about sort of reviving the band and ultimately the brand. Is this just sort of, you know, a hobby that you that you punch out once in a while, or is it? No, no, no. This is a band, and we're gonna go act and be a band. Uh, what sort of the directions for the Nixons? Yeah, I mean, initially this just started as uh, a couple of uh, reunion shows. Uh, our home base, the band, was originally from Oklahoma. We had a show in Oklahoma City, and then we did a show in Dallas uh, at a favorite venue of ours. Uh, kind of nationally known called trees in deep Ellum, Dallas, kind of where we started. And, uh, it was amazing, man. We hadn't played as a band, uh, the original lineup in, in over 15 years. So to sell out these places and have people still care after all that time, uh, come to see the band. I mean, we were just sort of floored by the whole thing. Of course, you know, it was great getting back together. We had kept in touch over the years and, uh, Myself being with Cedar and the schedule that Cedar has kept, uh, I, I mean, it was just near to impossible to really have time to do it. But the time sort of uh, presented itself, and the, and the shows went great, and that sort of led to new music. Uh, the singer Zach Malloy is a is a songwriter producer in Nashville, and he sent some ideas around, as did the bass player Ricky Ricky Brooks, and uh, new music started to grow out of that, and then that sort of evolved into doing some more shows. And uh, did this deal with Artist War Records is the label and uh, putting out a couple of singles and then just announced, uh, well, a couple of months ago, this upcoming 15 day co-headline tour with Sponge, East Coast tour that we'll be doing. So, uh, yeah, my plate is pretty full. I'm staying busy. We'll do that 15 dates. And then I go right into the studio with uh, Cedar to lay down drum tracks uh, right before Christmas. Um, so I, I literally get on a plane leaving the Nixon's tour and, and fly straight into Nashville and, and begin the next uh, Seether album. Well, that's what I'll keep you busy. So so talk to me about then about this new music. Was it just, like you said, the guys were, were, were together, you did these reunion shows and music just, or was it a little more contrived? And I don't mean that in a negative sense, whereas, okay, now we need something to give the fans. We need to not just show up and play the hits. We have to sort of offer them something fresh and and when you're getting to something fresh do you look back to the old music and go okay need to give them classic sound or do you say hey we're free we can do whatever we want let's just give them what's in our head that's a great question mitch and actually the answer was that there was such a, a gap there 15 years that in a weird way we were kind of free to do you know what we wanted to do and let the music kind of go where it goes the four of us when it comes together, it definitely has a, a special chemistry. It did back then, and it still does. But no, we that's one thing. We, we didn't want to rest on our laurels and just go play, you know, the, the, the hit songs and just kind of you know, stay in the 90s, so to speak. I mean, we celebrate that era. That's the original era for the band. But we wanted the music to be new, to be valid, to be contemporary. And I think if people hear... Uh, when they hear this new music, I think they'll hear that. I think it has it's it's valid stuff. It's new stuff. I think we can hang with current bands as well as uh, you know, like do this run with Sponge and kind of celebrate the old days. But no, we we didn't want to 
recreate the nineties or try to recreate a sound we already had. Uh, I think we really, you know, kind of wanted to try some new stuff and i I think it has a a fresh thing about it well it does and the song sounds great so let me ask you in terms of you as a drummer you know seether has their thing they have their drum sound you've come in and you've had to replace uh, live the drums that were before you do you go into the nixons with a completely fresh version of you or is john humphrey the drummer just john humphrey the drummer and what you play is what you play or is there a distinctive style for the projects where the Nixon's drumming is whatever, more syncopated, more blast beats, more whatever you want to call it? You know what I mean? Drummer-wise, are you the same guy, or is there a sound for each band? That's a great question, too. And really, I, I am just me. Uh, I, I don't know um, if I put that much thought into it. I mean, I, I, I give whatever it is that I sort of give to the song, and I try to elevate it or contribute uh, in some way to the evolution of a song as it grows, you know, we, with technology now, the guys can send around demos, just like Sean is with the new Seether stuff. He can send demos. And then literally, yes, I go in and sort of, uh, in some cases replicate rhythmically what's going on, but then I'm kind of free to do what I do and to kind of add my style. And, and, you know, even though the Nixon's Seether, I guess the music, there are similarities, there are differences uh, basically with both, man, I'm just me. I, I just do what I do and I don't think too much about it other than it just sort of comes from my heart. And uh, for some reason, part of the audio went missing. So let's get right back to uh, John Humphreys talking about the Nixon's latest thing album. It included co-writes by Marty Fredrickson and Jack Blades of Night Rangers. That's correct, right? Uh, the last album? Yeah. The latest yeah, thing. Yeah, latest yeah, latest thing. That's right. Uh, that was our first uh, album where we uh, had to work with uh, or did work with outside songwriters uh, for the first time. So, yeah, that's right. So so talk to me a little bit about that experience, because Marty has come in and he's made a name working with Aerosmith and all these other bands. And at that time, Jack Blades and Night Ranger weren't really Jack Blades and Night Ranger. They were sort of in this abyss, and but, you know, which they, they pulled themselves out of and they're doing great. And he was trying new things. What was it like working with those guys, this professional songwriter and Marty and Jack Blades, who of course has written some of the greatest songs that I'm sure that you must love as well. Um, what oh, was yeah. like working with that team? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was an honor. I was really excited about uh, uh, you know the band working with Jack, and uh, it, it was a whole sort of experience. There were a lot of first lessons with the Nixons. I always say I sort of cut my teeth with the band. It was sort of my first time to be on a major label, my first major tours. And this was, again, the first album, the first time we sort of did the, quote, working with outside songwriters. The band has in the past and, you know, is currently, you know, has written the songs. The band has written them, the, you know, with ourselves. You know, it's our material. It comes from us. And uh, we've learned uh, through the years how to arrange and record. And, and I think now we have a pretty good good idea how the band sounds and our experiences separately we sort of all bring that to the table but yeah that was the first time we worked with outside songwriters and we didn't know what to expect it was the whole band going to be working with them or what and our singer uh zach malloy was actually he flew out to california and he worked with jack and then he worked with marty and he brought the songs back to the band and then the band would have a say and oh this is great let's 
let's do something with this or no, don't really think this fits the band. And the song that we did with, with Jack was uh, first trip to the moon. It was the first single off the album. And I, I think it's a great song. And yes, man, I grew up on night Ranger, Jack blades, damn Yankees man. You got to respect, uh, you know, everything he's done, you know, and uh, it was, a, it was a great song. I think it fits the band really well. And then we worked with, you mentioned Marty Fredericks, Fredrickson and Zach's good friends with him. And uh, Zach does an annual songwriters festival uh, back here in Oklahoma city. And he'll bring Marty from time to time. And Marty's a great guy. Now uh, I know that we're, we're in a bit of a time crunch because you've got something to go deal with. But so let me just quickly ask you this uh, and then I'll move on to, to see there real quick. But uh, when the outside songwriters come in, is that something that the band decides, Hey, we need a fresh coat of paint. Let's bring in some other guys. Or does the record company come to you and say, Hey boys, guess what? Surprise. Uh, was it was it a, a wanted thing or an imposed thing? I think uh, to be perfectly candid, I mean, it, it was initially a bit of an imposed thing. Like I said, the band had always written its music and uh, we were dealing with a major label situation. It was our third album. And I mean, I don't think it was a do or die like we're, you know, the, the label. uh I don't know, didn't, didn't totally force the issue. We maybe didn't embrace it initially, uh, but then in the end, when Zach, like I said, brought back the music to us, uh, we really liked the songs. And we, that album was recorded, latest thing with Stephen Hagler, who uh, you know is uh, to this day a good friend and a great producer. And uh, it was a good time making that album. And, um, but we didn't know what to expect. So yeah, I definitely was an imposed major label thing. We weren't too sure what to expect, but, uh, we did like the songs that came back. Yeah. And just real quick, uh, Stephen had done some work with uh, Skid Row, the Thick Skin album, actually. Uh, so let me, let me quickly ask you this, uh, uh, recently, uh, end of November, of course, we, we remembered the passing of Freddie Mercury and Eric Carr. And of course you and I got to know each other through Loretta Carr, Eric's uh, sister, um, yeah. Just quickly talk to me about uh, about his drumming style because you know we all know that Peter Chris was very had a great swing and 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 we love the early classic Kiss of course and of course Eric Singer is able to do both Eric and and Peter but but talk to me about your relationship with Eric Carr and, and his family and also his drumming style from an out from a drumming perspective how do you sort of I don't want to say rate but how do you sort of see Eric Carr. Man, um, you know, as you just mentioned, we've both gotten to know each other through for the love of that band. You know, I've met a lot of people, made a lot of friends over the years. And, uh, you know, uh, undoubtedly, I'm a fan of Kiss and of the different eras and, and the members that have come through. But uh, obviously a fan of the original lineup. But when I was old enough in the 80s to finally see Kiss for the first time, the man, you know, behind the skins was Eric Carr. My first show was Creatures of the Night, and I saw Eric Carr live. I saw all those shows in the 80s with Eric. Unfortunately, I never had a chance to meet Eric personally. I have friends that have and talk about how great he was with the fans and how personable of the guy he was. But just from a drummer standpoint, I thought he was amazing, man. His drums, it was, it was an exciting show. He was a great, entertaining drummer. Uh, it was a musicality to the drum solos that he did. It wasn't just straight up playing stuff fast, man. I, I was just watching uh, uh, one of the Kissologies again. I pull out every now and then. It was like a show from a Hot, hot in the Shade tour and, and watching his drum solo again. I hadn't watched that in a long time, man. It's just a great show and, and a great solo. And he, he was an amazing talent. 
and uh, I, I just love his playing. And anybody who knows me, knowing that I'm a Kiss fan, knows that Creatures of the Night's my favorite Kiss album, which of course has Eric Carr playing drums on it. Those drums just sound like cannons, and uh, they do. Yeah, yeah, man. I just I love that. You know, King of the Mountain from Asylum. I saw that tour. Uh, and and I love that great opener to that album. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of Eric Carr, as you should be. And, and I, I will add, in case you didn't know this, I did get a chance to meet him, and he was exceptionally wow. nice. It was the Hot in the Shade tour. They did a a record signing at the uh, HMV in Montreal, which is unfortunately no longer there. And I spoke to him and stuff, and then he ended up inviting me to the show. Uh, well, he he left passes for me, so I got to meet the entire wow. band, thanks to Eric. But before that, in 1980, uh, when I first interviewed Gene, uh, and they announced that Eric Carr was going to be in the band, I wrote a, a fan letter to management and said, Hey, Eric, uh, welcome to the uh, band. It's a great pleasure to have you here, and so on and so forth. And he replied. He actually, wow. he sent me a wow. handwritten letter. So I have a, every so often on my Facebook, I'll post a picture, this red letter. And he wrote back and he said, hey, man, I'm glad to be. Anyway, it was like, like, who does that, right? I mean, you're you're in the band. You've got so oh, many no. things to do. You've got to learn the set right. and, and the makeup. And, and he took time to answer fans. And I'm sure I am not the only one who wrote him. There must wow. have been hundreds or thousands. And according to his sister, he would answer every one. So... It's amazing, right. yeah. Who does I mean, that? I've heard, it, I know exactly. It's incredible. What a what a genuine person, you know. And I think a lot of fans initially. I mean, we were upset to see Peter go, but we sort of embraced Eric. Dude, I missed out on a a, a family weekend to go to the lake and uh, to stay at home because Kids or People Two was going to be on, and they were going to introduce Eric for the first time. And I was just so excited to to see who the new guy in Kiss, the new drummer in Kiss. And, uh, you know, being a kid, they talked about his audition and just sort of how they, you know, this guy gets plucked out of a normal life, uh, unknown to be the drummer, the new drummer in Kiss. And I, I just sort of vicariously lived through, you know, and dreamed what that situation must have been like to audition and, and to actually to get that gig and be in Kiss, man. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love Eric Carr. And and honestly, and I'll, and I'll say this, and then I'll ask one question, and I know you got to go, but uh, I think that had he been an arrogant son of a gun, he wouldn't have lasted this long, and I don't think fans would have embraced him. You know, Kiss fans, they're they're very um, opinionated, but because yeah. he was so nice, and and he he did that to me, and and I'm sure he did it to a lot of other fans. People are like, hey. I like this guy. He's a nice guy. I, I hope he does well. And I, th I think that his attitude probably uh, led to the fans adoring him. Not only the fact that he plays great drums, but I think he just was so nice that people just said, yeah, yeah, all right. He's, he's Kiss's new drummer. And, and I, you know, anyway, I'm pretty sure had he been some arrogant son of a gun, Kiss fans would have just eaten him up alive. Right. And so, so good for him for being yeah. a decent human. And it, and it's not just the one or or two stories that you've heard. I mean, I've heard these stories, Mitch, time and time again. Friends and acquaintances I've met through being a fan of Kiss that have met, you know, met or knew Eric Carr, and and say exactly that that he was just a genuine person and would take the time to talk to you. And everybody who met him loved him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we'll we'll finish with this. Uh, of course, we remind folks, Favorite Lies by the Nixons is uh, available now. You can go check it out on YouTube, which is always good. Uh, and uh, Seether, last time we spoke, of course, I just mentioned it. We were out at the uh, Stone Temple Pilots. You were opening the show. 
What's next? What does 2020 have for Seether? Yes. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the interview, I'm about to go into the studio right before the holidays here and uh, track, lay down the drum tracks uh, for the new Seether album. So the first thing is to 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 finish, uh, start and finish the, the Seether album, which will happen, uh, will resume after the holidays with overdubs and everything, uh, January and February of next year. And 2020 involves the release of a new album and lots of touring for Seether. Uh, Seether very much is a touring beast that it's been. I've been with the band now uh, just over 16 years. November 10th, uh, 03 is when I joined the band. So it's just now been a little over 16 years. And uh, it'll be a lot of touring, and uh, yes, which I love, man. Anytime we put out an album, it's usually an 18-month tour. And You mentioned about the last time we saw each other that great run with Stone Temple Pilots. And that was uh, just uh, right about the 18-month mark of touring, which is, is pretty normal for uh, a tour cycle for Seether. So, yeah, yeah man, fact, we like to be on the road. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Montreal show, that Laval-Quebec show, was either the last or before last show on that tour, or at least that run of shows, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. I think right. it was. But right. uh, there you go. And, and since you've been in the band 16 years, I guess uh, I'm still waiting for the uh, See Their Kiss Covers album, but I'm sure that's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm sure, the band's, I'm sure the band's been working up Strutter and uh, Detroit Rock oh, yeah. City. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get these guys to do a song. You know, the Nixons used to do Deuce. The bass player used to sing Deuce. Because when the, uh, the Nixons started, man, in Dallas, in, in order to get into these clubs, we would do uh, Monday nights at Trees, that club I talked about, would do like these cover band nights were basically a tribute, I guess I should say. Uh, and so you would go in and do a hand. We did Black Sabbath night. We did a Van Halen night. You would do two or three covers, your band sort of style of it. But we did a Kiss night. Anyway, we did Deuce, which went over great. And we kept it in the set way back. I think you can find us doing it on YouTube somewhere. Ricky, everybody's singing Deuce, which it's perfect. But uh, that's the only time out of all these years that I was ever in a band that actually did a Kiss song. Isn't that funny? Well, you see, and since you're going to release an EP, you probably need a bonus track. So why right? not? Right? Dust it off. Do that's a live right. version. Anyway, uh, I, I know you got to get going, but uh, always a pleasure, Mr. Humphrey. And uh, we will uh, we will Thank see you. you soon. And, of course, uh, folks, uh, do support the Nixons. Check out Seether when they come to town. Buy the new album. And, uh, as we say in Montreal, merci and voila. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. There you go. Thank you, John. All right. Thanks, Mitch. I really appreciate it, man. Good talking to you. Happy holidays to you. Here's Paul Stanley to tell you why he doesn't want to shake your hand. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. Ugh, not even cold gin will kill those germs. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon.